Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Red Boat Fish Sauce Cookbook by Gong Pham. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you doing? Fish sauce. Fish sauce. (laughs) You did it better than I could. Hey, uh, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. How you be? (laughs) I'm okay. I can't complain. Ooh, I've got this million dollar idea. Okay. We moved to Berlin. Uh, We open a wheat-free bakery uh, and we call it Gluten Tog. (laughs) <laughs> that should have been your joke right that's kind of funny yeah speaking well, of gluten-free ooh, now, now the pressure's on to, I know, to I know. uh outperform right? that joke better do it what about gluten-free uh i made some cookies today yes you did um it was uh from the book fabulous modern cookies uh it's by chris taylor and paul argwin and their Instagram handle is at Flower Sugar Butter. This, this is their second book. Yes. And this book is amazing. We got it and I started paging through it and I was like, yes, 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 yes. Not unlike that um, Cookies, the new classics book that we featured late last year. By Jess yeah, Sure. <laughs> Better you pronouncing it than me. Um, but if you're familiar with that and you liked those recipes, you'd probably enjoy this book as well. There's lots of like just crazy off the wall recipes. There's a goodly amount of savory recipes. They talk about they like they specifically talk about like making these cookies gluten free. And so I made some raspberry lemonade cookies. What? <laughs> Although they were they were strawberry lemonade cookies because I could not get freeze-dried raspberries trader joe's was on why the heck not you didn't want to drive around to five different places to look for them i did not so and they're delicious yeah i tasted one they were good Mm -hmm. very very pronounced flavor Mm -hmm. all right hey welcome to tasty pages episode 74 uh if you go to our website WeCookbooks.com. You'll see a store tab that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And from there, we've got four different lists, all awesome, all cleverly, carefully curated kitchen essentials for home cooks, cookbooks, food photography and styling, and fun food finds. If you make a purchase from any of those lists or all of them, we're not picky, uh, you'll get something fun in return it won't cost you anything more we'll get a little something from amazon a few uh bezos pesos if you will (laughs) and uh it's a great way to support the work that we're doing here i'm feeling kind of punch punchy (laughs) punch drunk today yeah you are oh speaking of drunk what are we drinking (laughs) (laughs) 
Not yet. I mean, I've had a few sips. So yeah. um, we are. I I should answer what we're drinking yeah. since I made it. So you asked the question and answered it. <laughs> Good night, everyone. My work is done here. I'll see myself out. You're just window dressing yep. here. <laughs> we are just drinking a mango margarita. Not spicy. Plain old mango margarita. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did want to alert people and maybe recommend something. Um, if you go on YouTube, Eater, the you know food-centric website, they have a, a YouTube channel. They've got some interesting little features on there. So just recently we watched, uh, it was like a tour of the Lodge Cast Iron yes. Factory. And they kind of showed, uh, you know, peek behind the curtain of how the sausage is made, if you will. Of, uh, of the Lodge cast iron pans. Last night, I think you were asleep on the couch. Probably. These are the dumb things that I watch when I'm just like bored and getting ready to go to bed. So there was this, uh, we should watch this tonight too. It, it was I this, stayed up way past my bedtime waiting for you. So. Yeah, I got a little side hustle going. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm an audio engineer at a local cafe music venue. Sometimes on the weekends, I'll go turn a few knobs and, and I mix sound for people. And I sit here and I drink Lillette martinis and watch Real Housewives of Melbourne. I'm really sorry I missed out on that. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and then I wait for him to come home. And but when he gets home, there's some crispy fries coming out of the oven. And it's we, kind of a new tradition we're starting. <laughs> we eat we're fries like at midnight. <laughs> I almost put in a pizza last night. Ooh. I know. Probably don't need to be snacking on pizza at midnight. No, we don't. Well, I mean, do we need to be snacking on fries at midnight? I think so. <laughs> it's essential. A little bit of salt, pepper, some citric acid, yum oh, yum. Oh, so anyway, my point was <laughs> du parquet, I think is how you pronounce it, copper cookware. And this guy is like a true artisan. He's making this high-end bespoke copper cookware from scratch. Ooh. I mean, I'm talking... Looked on the website, 12-inch saute pan, copper, with like a cast iron handle, mm -hmm. handmade, 650 Holy crap. 650 smackaroos is what that's going to set you back. If I paid that much for a pan, I would never want to use it. I mean, this is like heirloom quality stuff. This is the stuff that you hand down to ancestors. Like 100 years from now, someone's going to be using this was my great, 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 great mm -hmm. grandma Victoria's copper cookware that she paid way too much money for. I don't know where you're getting like great, great grandma Victoria <laughs> since like I am bereft of children. Got to get started on that. Time's <laughs> the, running out. These, Clock's dust, ticking. these dusty eggs aren't doing anything. <laughs> but yeah, so Eater YouTube channel. I thought that was worth mentioning because it's it's food related. All right. And they're, they're nice, easily digestible clips, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. So uh, you, you can you can watch it when you're having your morning coffee or something. Mm -hmm. or, right. or your late night fries and yeah, martinis. Exactly. <laughs> In our case. Uh, well, let's talk about what we are currently working on. We got a few different things mm -hmm. in the works. Uh, you mentioned the cookie book. Yep. You're kind of working your way through that. Yep. And we're also um, working on California Living and Eating by Eleanor Maidment. Yeah. So this is like not unlike that um, Sunrise to Sunset Malibu Farm book that we featured on at the end of last year. Kind of, you know, what you would think of as like, you know, fresh California cuisine. Light, healthy-ish. 
Remember, yeah. remember, um, no, you probably don't remember because this had no bearing on you whatsoever. Remember when I was like in sixth, seventh grade, there was like these imposter body sprays, Giorgio and whatever, like imposter perfumes. Okay. I'm not familiar. Well, this book is kind of gives me that kind of vibe of that Malibu sunset. Oh, I like, mean, it's like it's kind of a, a it's a, a knockoff. Imitation. Yes. A knockoff. It's there a shine like version that. of a of a designer outfit. It's like the H and M of cookbooks. Okay, I, I, I mean, don't, I don't disagree. It's it's. I love it. The recipes so far are good, but yeah. I feel like it kind of is skating on that whole same vibe and look and idea i i can see that yeah hey should we talk about what's for dinner tonight oh we got a lot of shit Man, going on we, in our we got kitchen stuff going already <laughs> we got the in- smells going on we got the induction burner going even like we've got so many burners occupied on the stove at the moment that we had to bust out our little portable induction burner that we used to use for like cooking, cooking. demos mm-hmm. and teaching classes and stuff we're doing barbecue ribs go uh, on collard greens and hop and john which I had never heard of. And First time making it. Yep. And well, we had to change it a little bit because the recipe calls for field peas, which I mean, we live in Minnesota. There are no field peas the, to be the, had. The southern food ingredients are a little <laughs> bit. Li- I've never, I've still never found like sorghum, which is no, like very prominently no. used and uh, still never found it. Nope. Um, so instead we're using black eyed peas. It's a really porky dish. It's got, it's got <laughs> it's the peas, it's got salt pork, bacon, ham hock, and then there's some rice that gets thrown in there. Mm-hmm. We are going to have a heart attack tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's lots of stuff simmering on the stovetop at the moment. Anyway, it's from the book, uh, Gullagichi Home Cooking by Emily Maggot. This was kind of a one-off. We're just like picking several dishes and we're just going to have a big feast. Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, and it was kind of hard to choose some stuff because a lot of the stuff has flour. I mean, I suppose we could use... Flour and pork. That's what the book should have been called. Flour and pork. Yep. And plus, the food is not the healthiest. It and I not. can't, I cannot eat like that for an entire week. This is our cheat day. Yeah, it is our <laughs> cheat day. We went to the gym and it was closed. I think the person who uh, who was supposed to open it up in the morning overslept. Someone's getting fired. Speaking of cheat day, we got to hurry this along because I got a date in about an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too. You're awesome. You're All awesome. Right, should we talk about the show question? Sure. All right. So we put this out to our listeners. Since I made cookies today. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite cookie? Nice and simple. We got mm-hmm. some good responses. You want to start us off? Yes. Our friend Jackdaw said molasses, hands down. Of course he would say molasses. It's like one of those kind of... It's a very folksy cookie. It is. Oh, Jackdaw. Yep. Molasses, hands down. I still have Grandma Daw's recipe and have even baked them myself a couple times. If I was browsing in a store and I saw a jar of... Uh, Grandma Dolls molasses, I would totally snatch it. Right? You're welcome, Jack Dog. There's your million dollar idea. I'll be in Berlin at my uh, gluten free bakery if you need me. Uh, Our friend Alex R said ginger snap. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. What else you got? This one is kind of popular. 
what Alexis cooked is said um, chocolate chip, specifically crisp edges and soft center. There are so many different ways that you can bake a chocolate chip cookie. Yes. And, and we had a few uh, responses where they were very specific yes. about how it needed to be mm-hmm. as well. You know, you can't have like some soft chocolate chip cookie, just like doughy chocolate chip cookie. Shut up. That's, that's what someone said. I love the I love the doughy chocolate chip cookie. Without the crisp edge, edges? Mm-hmm. Oh. Huh. Okay. I'm 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 on this uh, team with the crisp edges in the soft center. Okay. Yeah. Uh Jesse Sheehan Bakes, author of Snackable Bakes and Vintage Baker, said Probs chocolate chip. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Another vote for chocolate chip. At AJ Gree, one, two, three, said, Yum Bakery makes a ranger cookie that will change your life. So this place we drive by all the time when we're out running errands, it's in St. Louis Park. They might have other locations, but uh, it's a Minneapolis uh, chain of, of, of bakeries, or I, like cafes. I am not very observant because I've never... Oh, yeah. <laughs> drive by it all the time. <laughs> I always have my face in my phone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm doom scrolling through Twitter. That's okay. We ran into some neighbors at Trader Joe's this weekend. And uh, <laughs> like I, I was I was like deep in uh, grocery list on my phone mode and, and had my face like glued in there. And like we walked in and he said hi. I didn't even acknowledge him or hear him or anything. And then like we got a little bit you know further into the store and. He's like, are you just going to ignore me? And I like, <laughs> like snapped out of it and like looked up and was like, oh, hey. He's like, yeah, he said hi to you on the way. I was like, yeah, we're in shopping mode and it's Saturday. We're trying to get in and out of Trader Joe's right. as quickly as possible. Uh, but yeah, at any rate, this Yum Bakery, which we have yet to try out, has something called a Ranger cookie. And did you look up what a Ranger cookie is? I did is? not. It was on the menu, but okay. it didn't explain, give any further details. All right. I'm sure you wouldn't be able to eat it. But probably not. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll order one and report back. Okay. Give you the full report. At Art by Heather Cutts said chocolate chip. Another vote for chocolate chip. And at Solutions.co said snickerdoodle for sure. Ooh. I love a good snickerdoodle. Uh, another vote from at Chemo Howard for good old chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some late entries. You want me to read oh, those? Yes. Uh, at Rosa Jane eight said white chocolate and macadamia nut. You're not a big fan of white chocolate, huh? I am not. How do you feel about macadamia nuts? I love macadamia. Next to cashews, macadamias are my favorite nuts. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I have a favorite nut. <laughs> well, I mean, I have other favorite nuts. <laughs> hey, oh, it's going to be that type of show again. Uh, and then at perpetually X hungry said red velvet cookies. But please, no soft cookies. It needs to have some have some crispness to it mm, okay now that brings us to our picks what did you what? <laughs> i feel like this is like kind of like an episode of like family feud like i could just see the topic like name a cookie and then there'd be like people being like yeah good answer good answer yeah yeah fortune cookie like who's hosting family feud now steve harvey is that who it is mm-hmm. okay so i'd be like steve i'm gonna go with fortune cookie and then he'd be like do we have fortune cookie? And then it'd be like, ding, 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 ding. So. Oh. So I'm going to say fortune cookie. Uh, really? Yeah, because it's hopeful. It's, 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 you know, there's a little good fortune tucked but like, inside. But like eating wise, taste wise, it's like. 
Oh, this says like favorite cookie. This is this is has nothing to do with like best tasting cookie. Favorite cookie because it's it's a clever cookie. So I'm gonna go with the f- that's just one answer. So okay, get, so give me you, give me another answer. Oatmeal raisin. Okay. Because I like the the chewy mm-hmm. texture of them. Oh, and then I got a, a new entry: the cashew caramel ones from Cookies <gasps> yes, New Classics. And I you, love. You, you made those mm-hmm. uh, last year when we featured this book, and there's a the gorgeous photo of it on on the gram. And those things were fire. They are so fucking good. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't eat a ton of cookies. It's funny because I was actually going to like name that. And I was like, eh, it's kind of too new for me to be like, yeah, it's my instant favorite. Well, you know, but instant classic. Good one. Yep. What do um, you got? So I like a good monster cookie. Chocolate chip, peanut butter, oatmeal, raisins. Some pecans. Otherwise known as kitchen sink? Yes. Like the Carol's cookie mm-hmm. that I get you at Whole Foods when I, I stop in there? I love Carol cookies. I mean, it probably costs like $6, but. Well, and I get, uh, I mean, I love that he gets some for me, but then I get so mad because I have to eat it. Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a thousand calories. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll just like break little pieces of it off throughout like a couple days. Although sometimes I'll just like gobble it down right away. Cookie like, monster. I, 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 can't, I can't stop. What else you got? That's it. Although yeah. I do love a good chocolate chip cookie. See, I was surprised you didn't name anything from that cookies book. I was I was going to, but like the, those Campari glazed shortbreads. Those were good. Were so delicious. Yes, they were. And there is a Campari cookie in this new book that I'm working from. Ooh. Or an, is it? Aperol cookie. So, well, yeah. should we dive into this book? Sure. Red Boat Fish Sauce. I always have to pronounce <laughs> it like uh, English royalty so that I don't uh, slur my words together. Fish sauce. Yes. <laughs> uh, launched in 2011, Red Boat Fish. See, Red Boat Fish, fish sauce, sauce has become the brand of choice for home cooks and professionals alike. It really is kind of a secret weapon of sorts to punch a dish up to the next level. We've been fans for several years. We were delighted when this book was released and it arrived complete with samples of some of their products, including some stuff we didn't know about, like the Nak Cham mm-hmm. and their flavored salt. Mm-hmm. They also have a variety of special like reserve sauces that would be more like for finishing and special meals. Yep. The recipes within the book cover a wide manner of dishes from breakfast to appetizers to sweets and drinks all featuring the signature fish sauce. Uh, Depending on your individual taste, you might need to adjust the amount. We'll talk about that in a second. As the recipes are not timid with the addition of this ingredient. You want to talk about what we made and then we'll uh, go in a little more detail about it. Yes, sir. All right. All right. We made broccolini with very delicious garlic sauce, walnut pesto shrimp, grilled pork meatballs, Malai Kitchen's Five Spice Pork Belly, Chicken Tinga. Chicken Tinga? Mm, I know, right? <laughs> All right, let's, talk, let's start with that broccolini. 
I will say that garlic sauce was very delicious. It super as was. As the recipe promised. We changed this up a little bit because it just called to blanch the um, the broccoli. Missed opportunity broccolini. if you're not going to oven roast it. Yeah, we oven roasted it. Um, the, the sauce, the delicious garlic sauce, consisted of fried garlic, fish sauce, and sesame oil. Super mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. The good thing about this, you can use it on a variety of vegetables, greens, like pretty much, pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would uh, suggest making extra, and then you could throw it on, like you know, cabbage, bok choy, spinach, anything like that, and uh, would really punch up the flavor. And it stays in the fridge for like ten days. So, right. not much else to say. This was definitely no. the the easiest dish that we made from the book, but uh, also one of the most flavorful. All right, you get to talk about the next one right. since I didn't make it or eat it. Walnut pesto with shrimp. So this was kind of an interesting play on a traditional pesto. And instead of the Parmesan, it substitutes the fish sauce, but it gives it that same kind of like umami flavor, mm-hmm. uh, that little funk. It also contains a mix of both basil and parsley, which creates this nice, bright, herbaceous sauce but, uh, you know, as a lot of you know, basil can be uh, not only temperamental to work with, but expensive. So unless you're using basil, like, within a day or two, often what you're left with is, like, this black, gross It'll turn basil. brown, yeah. yeah. Um, so by substituting in some parsley, it makes for this nice, vibrant color, but also you don't have to buy as much basil to use, which, uh, at least here in Minnesota, can get expensive. We always find walnuts to be a little bitter, so per usual, we chose the pecans instead. You chose the pecans. Yep. I had nothing to do with this thing. <laughs> There's no we this, in here. This was uh, this was on, an all Johnny thing. This was on our uh, surf and turf night. Yes, it was. And uh, I, I enjoyed this. Um, the recipe called for spaghetti, but then there was an accompanying photo that had this weird pasta, like probably like a, a fusilli. It, it wasn't pr- that. It was like a, the... I have no idea. And I it was, was going to look it up. It though. was not spaghetti. <laughs> it, was, it was a twisted pasta, but yeah. it wasn't like spiral pasta. Yeah. So what I did is I, I just grabbed some linguine, and I think that was just something we had on hand. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. It was a pretty simple dish to throw together. You just make that uh, pesto like you normally would, toss it in with the shrimp at the end, and uh, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with it. All right. I I don't know how true, you know, a lot of these recipes in this book, they're not always like what you would consider like traditional like Vietnamese recipes. And this was probably the first of a a few that we that we worked from that, you know, you would not probably think of when you think of like Vietnamese cuisine. Mm -hmm. But it was good. Grilled pork meatballs. Those are good. It made a ton. Oh, my God. Which was nice because we got to freeze some. Three meals worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was made out of pork belly, and we uh, it called to grind it up in the food processor, but we used our attachment for the uh, KitchenAid. Yep. Which it's been a while since I've uh, ground some meat. I know, right? Hey, that sounded weird. All <laughs> <laughs> grind your meat. What? What? Um, this was like strangely satisfying, though, to like hook up the meat grinder attachment, yeah. like run that pork belly through there. What other additions did the mixture have? Brown sugar, minced garlic, some white wine, obviously red boat. After it was all mixed up and everything, I. 
usually like whenever I make meatballs or hamburgers or, or whatever, I'll like cook up a little, just a little taste of it. Oh yeah, this is a little kitchen hack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before you like make your burger patties or meatballs or whatever, just make a tiny little patty, fry it up. Tiny, like mm-hmm. a size of a quarter yeah. or something. Um, and I was kind of unhappy with it. It didn't really have much taste. I think that was a common thread throughout this book, if I'm being honest. Yes. Like, uh, you know, there's definitely the fish sauce, which is like the featured ingredient and rightfully so. But beyond that, there wasn't a lot of stuff to kind of build up flavors or add any like complexity to it. Yeah. So we ended up adding a little bit of fennel seed and chili powder and garlic powder. So after like the, the, and it it was delicious. Mm -hmm. We made it delicious. The meatballs got cooked on a skewer. And then they got placed atop a bed of rice noodles, and we had some tiny bok choy. Tiny, not even it was. Baby. It was. It was like so little. It was like an inch big. Yep. So adorable. And we had some kimchi and some pickled daikon and carrots, and then a bunch of herbs like Thai basil and naugai, which is like a, it's kind of like a cousin to cilantro mm-hmm. so one thing that i want to note is since these uh meatballs were cooked with or made with just a uh, ground pork belly they were very light they were not dense at all they were super juicy and i think obviously because of the large amount of fat in them but I found the texture of the meatballs to be really, really pleasing. Nice. Because there's nothing worse than a dense meatball. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. So Yeah, and these didn't really have anything as like a binder or nothing. There was no breadcrumbs or anything like that. So Well, and, and then like when we took them, I don't remember what we used the leftovers for, but it was like a nice little treat when we took the I think the we actually got three meals out of this. Yeah. Like that's how much the yield is on this recipe. So plan accordingly if you're going to cook from this. You might want to scale it back. Or just have delicious <laughs> leftovers in the team. freezer. <laughs> if you're feeding a football team, this is your meal. Like, this I is was, your recipe. I was pleased as punch to pull the frozen meatballs out and make something else with them. And so. then uh, speaking of pork belly, we're not done. No. We made Malai Kitchen's five spice pork belly. So I believe this recipe... Uh, and we'll discuss this later in our rankings, but it came from like a restaurant. So they mm-hmm. did have contributions from other people outside of uh, the author and Red Boat and all mm-hmm. that. And uh, this was one of them. And it was a it was a fairly easy preparation. You it ends up in like a bowl, but you cut up the pork belly, sear it, and then it gets braised for four hours. Just four hours. Yes. And the the bowl that it gets added to has tofu and shiitake mushrooms and soft-boiled eggs. And we actually changed the recipe. Uh, what you do is you fry the tofu, you coat it in cornstarch, pan-fry it, mm-hmm. set it aside. And then the last hour it says to throw the tofu in there, but... I'm just like, eh, you know, it loses all of its crispiness. Like, I love a good crispy tofu. As do I. So we held that back. I neglected to mention what the broth was. The broth is stock, fish sauce, honey, oyster sauce, and five-spice powder. That is what the actual uh, 
pork belly gets braised in. Mm -hmm. And then there's also mushrooms that you throw in there at the last minute. Yeah, and it made a nice little bowl. There was mushrooms, tofu, Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of ramen, this is kind of in that same territory. And I think we we use rice noodles, obby, Mm -hmm. because I can't eat ramen noodles. Yeah. I I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Oh, should we talk the classic Vietnamese dish, chicken tinga? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine our surprise when we were paging through this to see a recipe for chicken tinga in a Vietnamese cookbook. Right. And then, uh, you know... Not ones to pass up an opportunity to have uh, tacos. It's been it's been a lot. It's been like a minute since I've made tinga. Yeah. So I don't know. This is weird. It just felt like an opportunity to like shoe shoehorn some red boat there was in a, there. We'll talk about this in the ranking. There was a few like this. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, not obviously not a, a traditional Vietnamese recipe, but it does use fish sauce for the braising liquid. Well, the the chicken gets poached. Like you end up making a sauce with sautéed onions, guajillo chilies, tomatoes. Well mm, I know, right? I'm tripping all over my tongue on that one. <laughs> uh, oregano, and then you use some of the poaching liquid from the chicken, mm-hmm. and then it gets simmered. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you remember Mr. T and all that jewelry that he wore? Mm-hmm. Necklaces, bracelets, rings. This dish was kind of like that because you got like sliced red onion. You got Oh, you're talking about the accessories yep, to it? You got yeah, lime okay. yogurt. You got avocado, cilantro, cabbage. You got a little bit of coconut rice. Sure. Lots of flair. Okay. Kind of like when you watch Office Space and that one dude at the restaurant oh. had like lots of flair on yep. his vest. You need to have a minimum of 15 pieces of flair. Yep. This, this this was kind of like that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean you know, unconventional. But uh, as far as Vietnamese recipes go, but I won't. I wasn't mad at it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So before we jump into our rankings, let's talk most critical Amazon reviews. Thankfully, there were no one and two star reviews. I did find a three star review, which is what I rated it when I submitted our review for Amazon. Oh, okay. This one comes from uh, Patrick Paul. Ooh, two first names. Yep. Hard to find ingredients. Like the book, but will be hard to replicate the recipes. More on that later, because I have some thoughts on that. Sure. But yeah, so he he paged through it and thought that uh, there were some hard to find ingredients. Should we discuss our rankings? Let's do it. Food, photography, and styling. Okay. What you have, Victoria? I gave it a 2.5. Ooh, very um, generous of you. <laughs> the photos felt really flat to me. And some of them looked like they had like this 70s filter without trying. Like it wasn't like I don't think they this were kind of concept treated, that we're yeah, going they for. They weren't treated afterwards. Yeah. Lots of overhead and 45 degree shots. I, the food shots felt more utilitarian than like we're gonna present to you this beautiful food. Mm-hmm. Like I felt the styling was lacking. I have to say the photos that I actually liked much better were like photos of humans, like in the market, like, travel log. Fish- yeah, the travel log photos, like get out of my head. Like fisher fishermen photos and like people cooking in restaurants. I really could go, you know take a walk around the block or something because you're saying like everything that's in my notes about this. I don't, um, I don't need to be here. Um, but yeah. I just say like meh to the photos. Yeah. 
I was deeply, aggressively unimpressed by them. Okay. Aggressively unimpressed. <laughs> I like that. I'm getting you a t-shirt that says aggressively unimpressed. Please do. I um, would wear it every single day. You were more generous than I was. I give it a two. Oh. I think that's the lowest score I've assigned a book for food photography yeah. and styling. Oriana Corin is the photographer's name. I tried to find an Instagram page and nothing came up. So I, I don't know who this person is. If they're a professional, I, I apologize if you are. We'll, we'll, I'll just dive right in. Uh, poor use of lighting. Mm-hmm. Nothing really pops, like uh-uh. you said. Everything's very flat. Plating and presentation lean a bit like quote unquote amateur. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the acknowledgments in the front of the book, like he thanks prop stylists and heaps praise upon like these people for finding props and and for the photographer. I think a lot of these photographs were shot um, on a trip to Vietnam. Okay. And okay. He he mentioned in the acknowledgments about you know someone running around and finding like vintage pieces uh, like bowls and plates and flatware and stuff. You know, so maybe their selection was a little limited. But I was unimpressed by their choices, and and these were things that he was kind of heaping praise on. See the photo, like those photos uh-huh. felt to me. They wanted to be like what the photos in Korean American were. Maybe. Like with Although the vintage. Book, I think this book came out like long before that. No, book, I so know. It, was, it wasn't yeah, on the radar. True. But, but it, like it felt like that's what they were striving for. Sure, sure. But they didn't, they didn't get there. In an era filled with pretty stunning food blogs, you really need to step up your game to compete. And sadly, this book just doesn't rise to that occasion. Mm-hmm. Page 121, there's a grilled perch dish. There's these uh, ceramic condiment dishes that have like chipped edges. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was probably a conscious choice, but it was just, it just felt weird that like you're kind of heaping all this praise and the acknowledgements and like boasting about these people finding these props and you're using these bowls that have like chips on the edges and stuff. See, that doesn't bother me because we've seen that in other books. Yeah, maybe. I like, don't know. I just it was just an observation. It, you know, very rustic, mm-hmm. no doubt. As you mentioned, I think some of the travel photographs from a Vietnamese trip were interesting. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, I probably appreciated those more than the food photos. Some of the photos attempted to make use of shadows. But rather than create any kind of drama, they just came across as like poorly lit photos Mm -hmm. with like these weird shadows that shouldn't be there. Several shots that were taken at this 45 degree angle were up against a wall, almost as if they were like in someone's kitchen Uh or maybe a restaurant or something. Visually, just not very interesting. So, I mean, and, and I feel like I'm being like, I'm not trying to be unnecessarily harsh But I just was like so unimpressed by this photography. Occasionally, there would be like a half-hearted attempt to create some visual interest, such as uh, plating the dish on top of a banana leaf or maybe an interesting textile. But the remaining landscape around the dish would be really sparse and uninteresting. No utensils or props, which I found, that's what I found like so bizarre that they hired prop stylists. And man, that was probably the easiest project they ever worked on when there was very little use of props Mm -hmm. outside of maybe the dish that the the it was in like barely any utensils Mm -hmm. for most of these photos maybe just like a lonely looking condiment or sauce bowl off to the side (laughs) um 
overall just very uninspired. Well, and I'm and I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being really harsh. I I love Red Boat Fish Sauce, but maybe they should stick to making that instead of putting out a cookbook with really boring photos. And I will say, there's like not a lot of photographs in this book. So if you're the type that wants to find, a yeah, not every photo, not every recipe has photos. I would say a good sixty to seventy percent of the recipes do not have photos. When we first got this book, I flipped through it and I was just kind of like, eh. You know, I was pretty excited to feature it. I I think I had to do some convincing. And then, you know, by the end, we'll talk about that in a second. But by the end, I was kind of like looking forward to being done done with with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Design and layout. Uh, I gave it a three. Okay. Okay. This book, (laughs) it's kind of wackadoo because every recipe has a different color of page. Mm-hmm. The font is a different color. There is no rhyme or reason. It is like put like a 120 pack of crayons in a bag, toss them up, throw yep. them out, and whatever lands together, that's the colors that we're going to go with. Yep. It kind of like it actually kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Anyway, there's like 10 actual cooking sections. You're talking about chapters? Yes. Those. Um, yeah, the, those. Those. <laughs> And throughout, there's, like, informative little, like, essays and tidbits, like, mm-hmm. how to extract, how to, like, crack and extract coconut water. I found those to be the most interesting parts of the book. Right. Which is, you know, saying something when I'm more drawn to those and the travel photography than the actual recipes. Yeah. And in the seafood section, there's, a there's like, information about how to catch the anchovies and... I just yeah. said anchovy. Thanks, Chris Morocco. No. Um, how to catch the anchovies and all about the fishing crew. There was a cool photo with someone with their hand held in, out. Yeah. That was a good a photo. I, I will say that. So this thing had like, like it had bubble letters. They were very generic though. They were. They, these shapes, they'd be like a trapezoid and, a, and an oval and... And flashbacks like to the seventh bu- grade and geometry. Yes, the bubble letters were like there were the title pages were bubble letters and the title pages were like vertical. Yeah. Which makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. I like I don't respond. I don't know why. Like it really does make me uncomfortable. It seems super childish. Would you say you were aggressively what was the thing? Aggressively Aggressively unimpressed. Yes. Yes. All right. Or you could always say something is aggressively boring. Yes. I ha- I do have the one thing that I really loved was that, like the font size and the recipes and stuff was nice. Yes. But they use like three, four, five different <laughs> they fonts. Did. Yes, they did. I'm like it was just, a, it was a mixed bag of fonts. Choose one or two. Styles. Come on, let's let's yep. do this. There were serving sizes. But no time indications like prep time, cook time, Correct. active time, whatever. There was a really nice part in the back of the book called A Day in Saigon, mm-hmm. which is like a chronological diary of going to eat in Saigon. Yep. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And there's also a menu planning section in the back and it kind of tells you like, this is something to cook on the weekend when you have time. The design of this was so weird. Yes. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think we've come across a book that has been like this. But 
I kind of got to give him a point for like being like just out there. The last one that comes to mind was the Lazarus Lynch uh, yes! Son of a Southern Chef yes. because it had this very specific design point of view. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's one of those ones that you're either going to love or hate, but it kind of, you know, it reflects mm-hmm. like his personality yes. and his attitude and you you have to kind of appreciate that for what it was but at the end of the day i can't say it was like my favorite Mm -hmm. but i can appreciate it for what it was what'd you give it i give it a three okay this book has an intentionally and i and i put a question mark after that (laughs) very retro vibe to it Mm -hmm. uh everything from the font choice to the colors to the photography it reads like a 40 year old cookbook it totally does. There's it totally a, does. There's not a large amount of photographs compared to most cookbooks. Not every recipe has a companion photo, as we mentioned. In fact, I would say most don't. The recipe headnotes offer a wealth of information regarding the historical origins or context of a dish. Those were like some of my favorite parts. I mm-hmm. thought the recipe headnotes were, were fun to read, but they're they're lengthy. The introductory pages provide an interesting read covering the author's personal life and how Red Boat Fish Sauce began. The recipes are collected from a variety of sources. So you've got family recipes. He leans heavily into this collection of notebooks that he has from his mother mm-hmm. that had like family recipes. He even has photos of like... Yeah, and those are th- that's really cool. And he writes a little bit about it in the book and, and that's very... It's very heartfelt, and and that was like a highlight of the book. His, the author's own recipes that he's come up with, also just like developments from the company, like they've got an R and D department yeah. uh, for for Red Boat, um, and then he received some contributions from other chefs. Mm-hmm. The pantry ingredients section is actually quite useful mm-hmm. because it includes a lot of unfamiliar, at least to me, items. However, a potential buyer might be intimidated upon glancing through this book. And that goes back to that critical Amazon review. If they were just kind of paging through and they got to that pantry section, there are some pretty random, obscure, at least for Western culture. Like where do you get bitter melon? Like Correct. You know. Um, I mean, we're fortunate that we have a pretty solid Asian grocery store nearby. Mm-hmm. Not every... Person no, has that. when you like when your only shopping options are like Piggly Wiggly or Walmart right. or whatever, you know, you're not going to find that Mm-mm. stuff. So, you know, be forewarned. Um, as you mentioned, it's a nice font size, easy to read. But this like weird <laughs> bubble font that they use for the headings and the recipe titles. It's so childish. It's, it's not elegant. It reads really juvenile. Yeah. The recipes, as you mentioned, contain the yield. The ingredient list is pretty simple. It's listed, as far as I could tell, in order of appearance. The recipe steps and methods are numbered and then divided into components. So if there's like a few different things you're making, like a sauce or, uh, you know, something on the side, it would have those broken down. There's no standard, like, quote unquote, format to the recipes. And then due to the lengthy head notes... Um, and the font size and the steps in the process, most recipes take up like two to three pages. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I totally did. Yeah. Um, there was a, yeah, there was a lot of uh, wasted uh, page real estate. Yeah, and most recipes contain like a Vietnamese spelling plus the English translation in parentheses. 
And then scattered throughout the book are useful tips for substitutions, how to utilize and or store leftovers, uh, preparing a particular ingredient, like you mentioned, like how to crack a coconut, working with lemongrass, things like that. Chapters are divided into sections such as breakfast, appetizers and snacks, salads and vegetables. I'm, I'm gesturing I w- with my I was, hands. I was trying. You can't, you can't see on the podcast, but. I was trying to like <laughs> list those off and I didn't write them down and I was like frantically paging through the book. Yeah, it's it's the usual suspects yeah. like pork, chicken and beef, sweets and drinks, pickles and condiments and stocks, like things like that. You know what I kind of made the connection is this is kind of like the dollar store equivalent of a cookbook. <laughs> That is kind of mean. It's That's just, so mean. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just it's it's just very basic and and I don't know how else to describe it. And the and, thing is, like, it like, may it's not a, when you hold it in your hands and you page through it, it's not expensive feeling. And maybe maybe this type I, yeah. of cuisine is not meant to be fancy or elevated or expensive or something. But the design choice does not do this book any favors i know it makes me feel really bad to like not talk nicely about a book because i get that this is someone's like passion project and they made this i mean like we we still had good things to say about this book yeah i mean this goes back to that famous uh you know line from jonathan gold the los angeles restaurant critic who was always of the opinion that if he didn't like a place, he, he wouldn't, place, he he wouldn't, wouldn't review it. it. He yeah. just simply would just, you know, move on to the next thing. Yeah. And he wouldn't write some snarky review about it because there was too many great places. It's better to prop someplace and up than take it down. I, I personally kind of take that same approach to cookbooks. Yeah. But once in a while, one will like slip through where we were really excited to mm-hmm. roll up our sleeves and dig into it. And then it just kind of leaves us feeling like, Meh. And yeah. Unfortunately, I think this cookbook was kind of like that. I didn't hate it, but yeah, it was yeah. is like the perfect description for and it. And then you might have like one particular thing and it's usually like the photography or the design and layout that is just like, really subpar with mm-hmm. it and in, and in the case of this book i think it's just a, a combination of the lackluster photography and the design and layout and it's not to take anything away from the recipes and like well, ulti- ultimately i think we enjoyed most of the stuff we made some of the recipe i mean the fact that we like maybe it, it's just our taste like we and I and I tried to take that into consideration yeah. as well when I was evaluating this and like am I being too harsh just because I'm like some white dude white midwesterner that begs the question who is this book marketed to you know what I mean is, and and is it, if it's if the goal is to celebrate the product cuz this is a weird cookbook where it's not like from a celebrity chef it's not someone with a popular blog it's like when it comes down to it it's like promoting a product yeah those can get a little weird in the cookbook realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there. Well, we'll get to that in taste. Yeah. Um, degree of difficulty. I give it a two. Okay. To be fair, I feel like we kind of skated on this one. We chose dishes that were. We stayed in the shallow end of the pool. We totally did. Yep. I think the most involved dish that we did was uh, the five spice pork belly. 
It had like a four-hour cook time. Well, and getting back to what you mentioned in the in the review, um, th- although the recipes lack any kind of like prep or cook times, there is that menu planning section in the back, in the back. Yeah, and it does have like you know quick and easy weeknight meals, and then it has like the kind of week weekend, weekend projects, projects kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and and so that's your only hint. indication yeah. of like what is going to take you a long time. Correct. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like anything was too difficult. And it, here's the thing, like I don't know for me, like I don't know like how my radar is these days because I feel like everything's kind of easy. Mhm. <laughs> I feel like unless we have a kitchen That's what that's what I'm for. <laughs> the, the unskilled luddite over here that And I'll be uh, like, "Hey, do this." And then you're like, <laughs> "You get pissed off at me cuz I'm like, it, it's easier if you do it this way." I love you. I love you too. <laughs> you're the coolest. <laughs> I try and be as gentle in my um, tough love instruction as I can be, but you know, whatever. Anyway, like everything was pretty easy, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't. I don't think I'd give this book to someone and be like, "Here you go." Yeah, because I wouldn't give this book to someone. Yeah, in good in good consciousness and good faith. Yeah, because that would send. <laughs> I mm-hmm. feel like I would send someone in a tailspin. Yeah. Who wasn't a, like a good cook? Uh, so I gave it a two. Okay, I gave it a three. Really? I think it really depends on the recipes. Uh, we purposely stayed in the shallow end of the pool, as I mentioned, but there are definitely some more time-consuming kind of projects if you're so inclined. That menu planning section in the back of the book is really the only useful guide for mm-hmm. you know if a recipe is difficult or not. But I do think your skill level would need to be a little bit more advanced to get the most out of this book. Because there were some pretty involved recipes. And there were like recipes that require, you know, quite a bit of advanced preparation. You got to marinate something overnight. Oh, yeah, that's true. And longer cooking times. The broccolini recipe couldn't have been easier. But there were other things that, you know, like I said, like you'd have to start the day before to get stuff prepped. I would by no means consider this a beginner cookbook, which begs the question, and this is what I really struggled with when I sat down and tried to review this, is like, who is this book for? And that, you know, we don't have a cookbook of our own, but we've spoke to people in the industry. I've listened to stuff. I've researched stuff. We've spoke to agents. That's like one of the first questions that... You know, if you connect with like a literary Mm -hmm. agent or you're starting to pitch your idea to a publisher, that's one of the first things that they're going to ask you is like, you know, who's your audience? But does this book have a purpose? But here's the thing. Like people love Red Boat. Of course. We do too. So that is their fucking audience. We are enthusiastic supporters and and we've, you know. We would like... When we first discovered it, we would go... And it wasn't, like, widely available. Yeah, now, I think now you can get it at, like, Whole yeah. Foods and stuff like that. But Well, and it's available at the Asian grocery store that we go to. We would go out of our way to get it because, like, you know, it, it was that good where... It, 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 you know, and it is that good where it's, like, you know, there's Red Boat and then there's everything else. Yeah. So, you know, this, does, this is not... Uh, dampened our enthusiasm for the product but it it still goes back to like is this just a book to try and promote your product and if so 
I think it could have been done a little bit better. I think you know what? I think I'm gonna change my. Ooh. You like win like the fictional Facebook. <laughs> you all like the, the, no. This doesn't happen on Facebook. You ever. you will you will like convince me. Change my. I'm going for three. All right. Would you would you have your taste? For taste, I gave it a three. Okay. We did not use the called for amounts of Red Boat. We did not. It's just our own personal taste level. And we. And this is an ingredient that we've worked with enough to know what is too much. Mm-hmm. So we had that experience and, and foresight to be like, oh, three tablespoons of yeah. fish sauce. That's going to be a lot. That's going to be pretty assertive. Yeah. Yeah. I think like other than adjusting the seasoning on the pork meatballs, I th- I feel like everything was kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't have any. There was nothing that we ate that I was like, woo. Yeah, like nothing blew my hair back. Nothing blew my skirt up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I gave it a three. Okay. How about you? I gave it a three as well. The amount of fish sauce called for in most of the recipes is quite assertive. So obviously this is a personal preference, but be forewarned if, like us, you want the flavor profile to be a bit more muted, make adjustments. I know by the end I was feeling a bit weary. I was too, yeah. About our recipe choices. And I was kind of just ready to be done with this book. And that's, that's totally our, you know, we were the ones that chose these recipes no no nobody's fault but our own the collection of recipes as a whole didn't feel um completely cohesive though you know you had stuff like the chicken tinga that we talked about we you had burgers you had a pan seared ribeye there were just things that if you're looking for if you're looking to dive into like Vietnamese cuisine but I don't feel like this was all about Vietnamese cuisine well, th- that's that's the origins that's the author's point of view I say origins that's huh origins that's the origins <laughs> <laughs> oh no Johnny mispronounced something what a surprise no, I, I love how you mispronounce things I think it's so cute um yeah I mean three okay yep. uh Anything else? No. Nothing that I can really think of. All right. Brings us to Gastro Obscura, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients from the book of the same name. Where are we going today, Victoria? All right. So we are going to Helsinki, Finland. Ooh, how exotic. And it's this thing called Restaurant Day. Ooh, Restaurant Day. It's this thing where there are pop up restaurants. And it happens the third Saturday every February, May, August, and November. Okay, sounds like it should be called Restaurant Days. Right? I know. So the thing about it is, is that anyone can open up a pop-up restaurant wherever they want to. You can do it in a train station. You can do it in Just your, on these certain days. Yep. Okay. You can do it in your dingy basement. That <laughs> sounds you, appetizing. You can do it on a boat. You can do it out of the basket on your bike. Um, I could just walk the streets with like a five-gallon bucket of chili. You absolutely and a ladle. could. You absolutely and I'd could. Just, like people would hold out their hands, and I'd spoon some a ladle of chili into their hands. As long as you're not giving anyone food poisoning. <laughs> so this was started by a man by a man named Timo Santala in 2011. 
He kind of got sick of the red tape it took to like open a restaurant. Pesky red tape. I mean. I should just want to do it and they should just let me do it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So he. No like, questions asked. Right. No forms who, who to need, fill out. No one needs regulations for no a restaurant. No licenses to buy. Mm-hmm. Just so. A hope and a prayer. Right. So he created this day and there is like no licenses, no regulation. It's kind of the day when they just look the other way. Yes. They just hold their hands over their eyes and they're like, nothing to see. Yeah. And so like, it's kind of like this, the, the, the Finnish people tend to like not be super sociable with each other. They tend to be more closed off. So this is a really great opportunity for everyone to Socialize. talk to each other and be like, what are you making? What are you cooking? And um, like there are like, seriously, there's no regulations on. It's celebrated. It is. And it is. It, it's actually moved to other countries. It, like it's in Iceland. It's in the South Pacific Islands, the, Russia, Nicaragua. I, I feel like the I like U- it. We should start it here. I know, right? But like, <laughs> I f- people here are much too litigious. We're on the twelfth floor of our building. Maybe we could rig something up where we have like a bucket on a rope, <laughs> and we could like lower it down out our window. But I don't want to. I don't want to like, feed anyone out of a bucket. Sure. No. <laughs> Doesn't that sound appetizing? That's rude. We could like lower it down. It'd be. We'd have like a, a sandwich in there or a taco or something. No, that's rude. I'm getting to work on the menu right now. Shut up. That's rude. <laughs> We're not doing that. That's a, that's a, that's a lovely idea, though. Yeah. I, I love that. All right. I, I, I love the concept of it. I do too. All right. All right. So. If you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. Uh, you can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. I've got not one, but two cookie jokes for you. Oh, in, well. in keeping with the theme of the show. Yes. Man. Okay. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. The, the effort that I put into each show, the passion that I have. Oh. Uh-huh. It's, 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 where you're also going to get this. Good job. Uh, all right. First, first cookie joke. What do you call a smart cookie? An academia nut. <laughs> right. I like right. it. Okay. Oh, any All chance right. I get to make Good Victoria job. laugh? It, it, Good it, it, job, yeah. Mister. Um, do you know where witches bake their cookies? In a coven. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Ooh, two for two. Oh, that was good, I babe. I, you don't I have to tell it. me. Yep. Nice, nicely done. Yep. All right. Touchdown. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Have a fantastic week. Bye. Stay hungry.